This is Amy Bauman, and you are listening to Speaking Truth with Love. For more information about myself or For His Glory Ministry, you can head to amybauman.com. Now here is today's show. Good morning. Welcome to our online service. I'm Chaplain Amy Bauman with For His Glory Ministry, and I am so glad that you found us online this morning. We come together every Sunday as a body of believers to do just this, worship our Lord, renew our minds, look at God's word and apply it to our lives and hopefully come out on the other side a little bit more like Jesus. If this is your first time joining us, just a very special welcome to you. We have over the course of September been looking at the book of Hebrews and it's been a very interesting uh, time, especially for myself. I've learned a lot. I pray that, that you have as well. So we're going to be looking today at the final four chapters, 10, 11, 12, and 13. And we'll do a small recap just to kind of see where we've come and what we've been learning because we have been building and building and building. And this is it. This is what the writer has been trying to tell us. As we look at the scripture today, it's kind of the climatic ending of everything we've been looking at over the course of the month. So I'm very excited to share it with you, encouraging words from the writer of Hebrews. But before we get started today, let's just open all of this up with prayer. Father God, I just thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for how much you love us and that your need, desire, and um, just your, everything that you've ever wanted from us, Lord, is to be in relationship with us. And you've paved and weaved this beautiful story for us to be a part of, that we have been adopted into your family. And that the only thing that you ask of us, Lord, is to know your son, to believe that he was sent into this world to live and serve, to die on a cross. He rose again from the dead and is coming again to take us home. And you want us to know who we are. You want us to know who he is and you want us to follow him. And so today, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you open up our hearts and our ears for whatever truth it is that we are missing in our life that we will realign our hearts to chase after you, that we will walk away encouraged, ready to finish this race strong and standing firm in the faith as brothers and sisters in Christ, and that you will give us the strength to do that. I just pray for each person watching, each person listening today, Lord, that you will do a mighty work in them. We love you and praise you and thank you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the text and we've discovered some things. One, we don't know who the writer of Hebrews is, but he's very efficient with the Septuagint. He knows more than just the Torah. He knows more than just what the people of this time know. He's able to go back and quote scripture and weave it through his writings to give this fuller picture of who Jesus is and to remind the people 
of his time and to remind us, right, that Jesus is greater, that that Jesus is doing something amazing. He's fulfilling scripture and he's warning not only the people of this time, but warning us not to revert back. You have to remember that during this time period, these followers of Jesus were starting to go back and do things the way that it was, it used to be done. And back when we say used to be done, it was what the Torah had said. There were burnt offerings and festivals and, and these things from the old covenant. And he's saying, listen, don't go back to that. Don't go back to what used to be because Jesus is doing a new thing. And over and over again, he tells the reader and he tells us that Jesus is greater. Jesus is better. Jesus is bigger. And he was explaining to them throughout the text, right, this scriptural proof of Jesus's superiority, that he was greater than Moses. And when we think about how people looked to Moses and the law that he brought down from the mountain, there was, they put Moses on this really big pedestal and that's who they followed and looked after. But what the writer of Hebrews is saying is he's saying, listen, Jesus Christ is superior to Moses. He's superior to these Aaronic priests, these priests that have been sacrificing all of these burnt offerings and things and atonement for your sin. Jesus is greater than that. And we looked even last week at the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant and what Jesus is doing. And it takes me back to uh, where Jesus was on the Sermon on the Mount and he was talking in chapter five, uh, Matthew chapter five and specifically verses 17 and 18 when he says this, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. And this was a really big deal for the people at that time. That was who they were following in a sense, right? They were looking up to the prophets of old. They were looking to the law. They were looking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were their teachers. And he's saying, don't think that I have come to abolish the law. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And fulfill means bring to completion or reality or to achieve or to realize Jesus is coming to fulfill the law. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. So the writer of Hebrews has been building and building and building. And now, as I look at these last four chapters of Hebrew, it's kind of like, this is the big finish. This is the climax of everything that he's been writing about. This is where we're going to get encouraged and we're going to know how to keep moving forward. And I got really excited reading these, these last four chapters and I want to walk them through, uh, looking at some specific text and, and bringing you home so that we can walk away encouraged and never, ever going back 
trusting and believing in this new covenant and everything that Jesus did and is doing today. So if you have your Bibles, you want to turn with me to chapter 10 in Hebrews, and we're going to be looking at these last couple of chapters. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they have not stopped being offered? Remember, he's been laying out for us the, the tabernacle, the, the jobs of the priests. We've looked at the offerings. We've looked at the festivals. We've looked at all the things that they have been doing in their tradition each year. And he's saying, listen, the law is only a shadow of everything that are, that's coming, all of these good things that are coming. And if we, if they were good enough, right, then why are we repeating year after year these sacrifices for the atonement of sin? Why are we still doing that? When look, Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. And when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. And Jesus is talking to God here, God the Father. But a body you prepared for me with burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. God wasn't pleased with these endless sacrifices and this constant shedding of blood on the altar. You got to remember the altars ran red with the blood of the people year after year for the atonement of the same sin over and over and over and over again. That's one thing I think about, man, that, that God still loves me after I, after I make the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. And yet this is what Jesus came for. Jesus came to pay the ultimate sacrifice so that those sins are forgiven and washed away once and for all. The writer goes on to say, day after day, priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. And we look at this, right? This contrast of what the priest does, always standing. The Levitical priest always stood because his work was never finished. There was their constant need for sacrifice. But when this price priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Jesus offered himself up as a sacrifice and then he sat down. Why did he sit down? Different from this imagery of this priest that is always standing because his work is never finished? Because Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. It is done. I've done it all. It is completed. And this imagery is so beautiful of what Jesus has done and that it is over. Then he goes on to say, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them 
on their minds. This is a contrast for the reader of this time because what did Moses do, right? The finger of God wrote out the laws, the Ten Commandments on a stone tablet. And now he's saying, I'm not going to write it on a stone tablet. I'm going to write the laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. This, this contrast, right, of what, of what Jesus has done. And when these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. They don't have to keep sacrificing the animals, which there was no atonement for human sin because of animals. There was no finished work. And with what Jesus did is already fully accomplished because of the definitive sacrifice that has been made. It is finished, he said on the cross. He goes on to say and give us this call to persevere in faith. Now that we know all of this stuff, and it starts off, and we remembered that from a couple weeks ago when the writer says, therefore... He's saying, now because you know all of this information, now that we've been building and building and building, this is what I have to say to you today. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain. Remember when Jesus died, that curtain that celebrated separated the holy of holies was torn in two from top to bottom and opened the way for us to be able to enter the throne room of God. And he's saying, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, Jesus is greater. He says this over and over and over again. Jesus is greater than the Levitical and Aaronic priests. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good needs, deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. My friends, the day is approaching. And what do we need to do? Encourage one another to finish strong. I see this week after week as the Lord gives me the sermons to give to you that they are encouragement. They are a way to show you, hey, I love you. I want to put my arm around you and I want to help you walk out your faith every single day because I know it's hard, because I know it's challenging, because I know the world is getting worse and worse and I want you to stay steadfast and firm. I want you to stay strong. I love you. I want you to finish well. I see that in the, in the words that he gives me to say to you and the scripture that he gives us this encouragement to keep going.
verse 39. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. You can see the difference, right? You can see the world shrinking back, going their own way, following their own gods, listening to their own truth. And then you see the people that are following Jesus, right? And they are going to stay strong because they are following the one true Lord, the one who is full of our truth and the one that we will be saved by. I love chapter 11. I could read to you the entire chapter of 11 of chapter 11 and get so excited because each sentence starts out with this. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. We are each given a measure of faith the Bible tells us, but it is our responsibility to grow that faith. That's even part of the armor of God, right? The shield of faith. So we have this measure of faith, but we need to grow it so that we can have a large shield so that we can stop the fiery darts of the enemy. We need that faith. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then he goes line by line and says, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. By faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. And it keeps going. It's reminding the people of that time who hung on to the Torah who knew all of the, the, the guys and girls of old, all the prophets, all the priests, all the people, all the stories that they had read, all the stories that they had learned and memorized. And he counts it out back to them saying, by faith, all these people are known yet. But even, even them did not fully see everything that is, com that is coming to pass. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes. They were all commended for their faith, yet not one of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. This is us today. 
This is us today now, right? Looking at the people of old and everything that they had done. And Jesus did not come during their time frame. Jesus did not come back to take his people home in their time frame. Yet they kept walking out their faith every single day, hanging on to the promise of Jesus and what is to come. We could say this. By faith, the people living in 2022 will continue to persevere and press on to win the race marked out for them. Can we say that though? Do we have that kind of faith, even though we can't fully see the picture? That we're standing in between two worlds, this world and the one to come. That we're living in a broken world full of temptation, full of multiple truths, full of multiple false gods and prophets. And yet we can see that Jesus is coming back to take us home, but we don't know when that is. We've been promised eternity in heaven and forgiveness of sins, yet we stand here waiting. Waiting for it to all come into fruition. By faith, we're here today. And he goes on to say in chapter 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and my friends, we are surrounded by witnesses. Everything we do and say is being watched. Those Jesus followers, I'm going to keep a close eye on them to see how they react to the world. To see if they really Walk the talk. I don't know. One approached me the other day in the grocery store and asked me if I, if I knew who Jesus was. And then I watched them go out into the parking lot and I watched them get angry because someone cut them off at the store. Are we walking the talk? Are we acting in the flesh? Are we reverting back to old ways when we get stressed or tired or when things don't go our way? Or are we stepping out by faith, trusting and believing and following Jesus and shining brightly for him? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus and only Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is where we are at today. And we have to ask ourselves, are we growing weary? Are we losing heart? We think about it. Each morning, his mercies are new. And even though the world doesn't get better or change, right? 
God stays the same and he gives us new mercies each morning. And we've got to grab onto those as soon as our feet hit the floor and say, Today, Lord, I will be faithful and I will follow you. No matter what's coming my way, because I want to stay steadfast and firm to the end, no matter when that end is. He goes on to talk about how God disciplines his children in chapter 12. And I think this is where it gets hard thinking about God disciplining us. And I want to give you a different imagery today, a different visual for you to grab onto so that maybe you can tuck that away in your heart and you can look at God's discipline a little bit different. So who loves to be disciplined? No, none of us do, right? And when I think back, even not so many years ago when I was working in the business world and I had my boss was the president of the company and I hated it when he would come to me and he would tell me that I had done something wrong. You know, everything in me wanted to say, give him some kind of excuse and, and say, no, that was, you just perceived it wrong. And I really, no, I didn't do it wrong because nobody likes to be disciplined. Nobody likes to be corrected. Nobody likes to make mistakes and then be called out for those mistakes. But here's the thing. It says here, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardships as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us. We've all had bosses who have, who have corrected us. We've all had people, teachers, people in our lives that have corrected us. And we've respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. No, I did not like to be corrected by my boss. But by bringing that out into the light and showing me what I did wrong, I can do it better next time. No one likes to be disciplined by their parents, but the parent's responsibility is to train up their child so that they can be sent out, shot out like arrows into the world to have families, to have jobs, to be an asset, to have impact in their community. And if we just let our children do it the way the flesh wants to do it, then we're not doing them good justice by sending them out in the world to make those mistakes on a grander scale. And when I think about the times that the Lord has whispered into my heart and said, Amy, you did this wrong. It broke my heart when the father did that. 
but he did it because he loved me. And then he took the time to show me, this is how I want you to do it different next time. And with that loving discipline, it changed who I was and made me better. It made me more like Jesus. Today, in this time frame, in this time of our lives, whatever that looks like for you, allow the Lord to discipline you. Allow the Lord to give you correction. It's not because he doesn't love us. It's not because he wants to put us under his thumb and make us be a certain way. No, he does it so that we can change and grow and grow into everything that he has planned for us so that we can help other people so that we can become more like him and have everything we need to do the next thing that he has for us. But we need to be teachable. We can't take offense. We need to allow the Lord to discipline us and know that when he does, it's because he loves us so much. And then he goes on to say, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. If we keep acting in the flesh, if we keep making the same mistakes, if we keep acting out and acting the way we always have, then when people look to us and are thinking that they're looking at a Jesus follower, they're just going to be seeing everyone else. He trains us up and sets us apart so that people can look to us and see Jesus and say, wow, what do they got? Why are they going through life and they are encouraged? Why do they have faith even when the world is falling apart? Why are they loving people even though they're being persecuted? Why are they doing that and watching church online or going to church in person. Why? And the answer ultimately will be because of Jesus. Remember, the writer is telling us Jesus is greater. Jesus is worthy. Jesus is who we should be setting our eyes on each day. And then in chapter 13, he gives us these concluding exhortations, this final bit of encouragement that he wants to leave with us. And it's, it comes after, right? Let the Lord discipline you. Let the Lord take away anything in your life that is not glorifying and honoring him. And then he leaves us with this. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money. And be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, 
The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And then in verse 9, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. He's reminding them one last time of the old way of doing things and how Jesus now because of what he did on the cross, because of the story and this beautiful thing that God did, almost reenacting everything from the old, but giving them this new covenant, this new imagery of what Jesus did, canceling all of that out, fulfilling it into something brand new and saying, okay, it is finished. We now have Jesus to look to. It's because of Jesus that we're here today. And everything he did on the cross, Jesus is greater. I'm not sure from these last four weeks what has tugged at your heart the most. But for me, you can see that even though these people had Jesus then, right, and, and could see this fuller picture of everything that God did, through Moses and the priests and the prophets and how Jesus came and died on the cross and rose again from the dead, that they still reverted back. They still went back to their old way of doing things. And I think of us today where we read about this, right? We read about it. We didn't get to experience like the people of this time. We didn't get to walk with Jesus and, and eat with him and watch him die with our physical eyes. But what the writer reminds us of, right, is by faith. By faith, now that we know this, now that we've seen this, now that we've experienced this and understand this fuller picture of the story, right, what are we going to do? Are we going to move forward into everything that the Lord has for us? Are we going to finish strong this race that we've started? Or are we going to revert back? Revert back when things get hard. Revert back when we just want to push the easy button. Revert back when the world is challenging and difficult and there's challenging and difficult people and we're seeing all of this chaos and confusion and discouragement and the works of the enemy. What are we going to to do today. I read this letter 
from Hebrews and I'm reminded that we need to stand strong. We need to stand together as a body of believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we need to keep going forward, moving forward, allowing the Lord to discipline us, allowing the Lord to teach us, strengthening us, encouraging us, putting aside the things of the flesh and moving forward into everything that the Lord has for us. And we can only do that one day at a time, one step at a time, holding Jesus's hand. He ends Hebrews with this final greeting and benediction that I want to leave you with today. And may it soak into your hearts and help you navigate this coming week. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. My friends, that's what we need to remember, right? We're all going through something today. No matter where we are in the world, no matter who we are, we are all experiencing the effects of this world. But Jesus is the one we need to keep our eyes on. Jesus is greater. He is our high priest. And what he said on the cross is what we need to believe each and every day. It is finished. We have forgiveness of sins and everlasting life, but we need to receive that. We need to walk that out and we need to continue every day doing his will for our lives so that it's pleasing for him until he comes again. Amen and amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your truth. And I thank you for your encouraging words. And I thank you that you put your arm around us and you tell us how much you love us and you show us the way forward. And I just pray that you will do that today. I pray for each person, Lord, watching and listening, that they will grab your hand, that they will walk out their faith, that they will be strong and courageous, that they will know how much you love them, that they will feel the plans that you have for them, Lord and that they will not give way to the world. We love you and praise you and thank you and ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. If you weren't able to be with us each week as we looked at Hebrews, you can always go back and watch the earlier um, three sermons and get a fuller picture of, of this entire series. But just thank you so much for being here today and for joining us. Have a beautiful week. And until next time, until we can be together again, be blessed. Thanks so much for joining me today. Stay tuned for more Tuesday teachings, Sunday sermons, and encouraging messages 
along the way. And until next time, be blessed.